0: It's hotter than the surface of the sun here. Assuming the sun is 32 degrees, 32 it is quite degrees. warm.
1: In your pants. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm always just in my pants, Tom. <laughs> now it actually feels necessary. It does. Yeah, it's it's not just uh, laziness today. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Fair enough. God, it, God, it's hot in here with headphones on. Jesus. Right. Three. Three. Two, two. One. one.
1: Tom Hello, Sam. That was the most in-sync countdown I think we've ever done.
0: That was indeed in-sync. I can't what? think of any in-sync lyrics now. Hang on, let me uh, let me pull some up. <laughs> um, hang on. Some uh, famous
1: in-sync songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, tearing yeah tearing up my heart, Tom. I just want to be with you. Here we go. You're the girl that has everything. I
1: don't recognise um, any of those
0: songs. Oh, no, those are actually the title tracks. of I thought that was lyrics to a song. That was, in fact, tracks of the album NSYNC 1997. Bye,
1: bye, 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 bye. There you go. That, <laughs> I, that, I know that one. <laughs> God, we're, we're crap, aren't we? We don't know. God, how disappointing that we don't know too much about NSYNC. Here's an Sync* lyric that I
0: think we can all relate to that sums up our friendship well. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you, Tom. But when we are apart, I feel it too. And no matter
1: what I do, I feel the pain, with or without you. Beautiful. There you go. That, I can imagine you. I imagine you singing that with like a, a loose white open shirt bellowing out behind you, with a vest underneath. Hang on, there's a key change somewhere. Let me just st- stand up out oh, the bar stool. Oh, there you go. go. <laughs> 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 Classic. Bot, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like the take that reunion where they all get up off the bar stools Ooh. and it's just a cacophony of clicking and groaning. Oh.
1: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing very, very well. I'm glad you chose such an uplifting topic this week. Yes, our topic <laughs> this week is slavery, isn't it, Tom? It is. Fantastically light-hearted and just inherently Indeed. fun, isn't it, the topic of <laughs> slavery?
0: I don't know. I've I managed to find something
1: fun. <laughs> I um, I, I, yeah, I tried hard to find something fun, but my research took me down some rather depressing lines and I was desperately thinking of ways of making it a bit more uplifting. I think I've succeeded.
0: Yes. I, I started going down the lines of slave rebellions, which succeeded.
1: That's exactly and where kind I of was. Slaves go. who won
0: their freedom. And, yeah. um, and it turns out that most of the time, when a slave rebellion succeeds, quite a lot of innocent people die.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> funny you mention that because that's pretty much the route I went down. I thought, how could I make this a bit more uplifting? And so that's exactly what I did. And so I looked into a couple of incidents of slaves taking over boats. Which apparently it wasn't too uncommon, and it was usually no. when the slave traders got sick, and so a lot of the staff—it's not really staff on a slave on a slave galley, is it? Um, <laughs> a lot of employees. Well, um,
0: <laughs> that depends. That depends on how you look at it, Tom. Uh, that's, yeah, it's phrasing is important in these things.
1: Shipmates. That's probably yes. a fair term. Shipmates. Yeah. If, if a lot of the shipmates got sick, the slaves often sort of smelt an opportunity and uh, and took over. But I, I started looking into that, and I couldn't find any really good documents to get my teeth uh, stuck into. So I, I kind of veered away from that in the end.
0: I was going to save this till later, but I might do it now. Can I do an honourable mention now? Do it. On the topic of... Because I did find a really good story of... A slave freeing himself by stealing a ship. Oh, And this is a guy called Robert Smalls, who was a slave kind of under the control, I don't I don't really know what you call it, owned by the Confederate Navy in the US War of Independence. In the US Civil War, sorry. His ship was called the USS Planter, and he was the tiller man. He steered the ship. That was his job on this Confederate ship. And one day, the crew of the ship had nothing to do, so they docked, and the crew went on unauthorised shore leave. And so Smalls basically sent out a signal to the families of all of the slaves who were manning this ship. The slaves took the ship over and stole it whilst the crew were off getting pissed. Hey. <laughs> yeah! Sailed it down the river, sailed it through Charleston. Because he was the tiller man, he knew all the correct security signals to give to all the Confederate forts. Right. He basically sailed past all of the Confederate defences, sailed his way off to the Union, handed over the ship and said, I bought you back one of your ships. And uh, he was given military awards. He was given a share of the value of the ship as loot, a very cheap share. Uh, But he and I think half a dozen other slaves and their families managed to escape on this ship. And a few years later, he was actually given command of the ship again and became uh, America's first black ships captain.
1: That's more like it. That's the sort of story we're looking yeah. for. Something a bit
0: more uplifting. There we go. There was another story I found as well of a guy called Henry Box Brown, who was another American slave, who escaped slavery by posting himself. Yeah, I,
1: I read that one. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's quite a famous one, I think, isn't it? And he ended up upside down, didn't he, for a large period of it, and almost passed out.
0: Yeah, for like 90 minutes. He was loaded onto a ship, and the box, despite having this way upright on it, was put in upside down, and he ended up spending 90 minutes kind of inverted in this box basically the size of a tea chest more or less and he was upside down for 90 minutes until some passengers put the box the right way up again to sit on it and, yeah they um, did so to, to sit, sit on it, on it. Didn't
1: they? Yeah, yeah yeah
0: and it's held up in america not only as one of the great examples of slave escapes but also as a shining example of how efficient the u.s postal service is because he managed to mail himself to freedom in 27 hours so, <laughs> so one of the earliest examples of one day shipping <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah excellent Excellent. And uh, he
0: ended up moving to Britain as well and becoming a, an abolitionist campaigner. So there you go.
1: Excellent. And a lot of people who survived slavery were actually able to make a bit of money out of selling their story, weren't they?
0: Yes. Yeah, he certainly was. He took his box on tour.
1: Yes. And... <laughs> I read that as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: People would literally pay to see any old shit in the 1800s, wouldn't they? It was really boring before TV came along. Yeah, it
1: could have been any books in the world. With my research, I actually started along the route of trying to justify a claim I made in a previous podcast that (laughs) gingers in Spain... Yeah, that there are gingers (laughs) in Spain as a result of Spanish... Raids. I
0: remember this spurious yeah,
1: claim. Yeah, and it was totally spurious. I think. <laughs> so I, I, I made the claim, and that's after completely that podcast, unlike us in
0: this history podcast, isn't it? Yeah, you
1: know. After that podcast, I listened to it again, and I thought, "Is that? Am I talking bollocks? There, that sounds like a bit of Chinese historical Chinese whispers. That one of those things you've heard, but you can't remember who you heard it off, and you're not actually sure if it's true." So I wanted to go and find out if that was true. I couldn't find any information about it, to be honest. And I think what I quite possibly had mixed up was the Barbary slave trade from around 1500 to 1800. Have you heard about this? Yes. Yeah, so it was all all the Ottoman provinces in North Africa. They had huge, huge, huge slave markets. And this was because the Ottomans were obviously Muslims, and they couldn't enslave Muslims. So they would raid European countries for slaves, bring the slaves back, and the slaves could work in the galleys for example so massive slave trade around a million europeans were enslaved by the ottoman empire in this manner wow and there were slave raids as far north as iceland so there were slave raids in the uk denmark iceland famously there was a slave raid on the irish town of baltimore i was i was researching that and it was just again it was fucking depressing because you just hear yeah, all these horrendous was. stories of just people raiding a, a quiet a seaside village and deciding fuck it we're going to take all your women, children and men, and we're going to sell them all to slave markets in North Africa. It's absolutely repulsive. Yeah. Yeah, so it's truly really depressing. And It was at that point where I decided I wanted something more <laughs> uplifting.
0: <laughs> we should say that this episode is going out on the anniversary of the abolition of the slave trade in the British Empire, which was uh, came into force on the 1st of August, 1834. So that's one of the reasons why we're doing slavery this
1: week. Also because it's just interesting. It's worth talking about, isn't it? absolutely in it in it yeah um also <laughs> amazingly rife throughout history isn't it, when you start researching it i, I don't think yeah. i quite realized that probably the last 150 to 200 years in the western world wow is there slavery in many modern countries Le, sort of legitimized slavery not much
0: in the way of legitimized slavery yeah. no it's all sort it of yeah, there's still quite a lot of uh, what you call bonded or indentured labour. Yeah, yeah. Particularly in Russia and China and the Middle East. Yeah. And particularly North Korean labourers who are basically sold and <laughs> yeah. go and work in Russian lumber yards. And uh, a lot of North Koreans and Bangladeshi workers basically sold on contract to build World Cup stadiums at the moment in Qatar yeah, and, that's and actually, other places. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, I think... Yeah. In terms of legal slavery, I think that's pretty much the last bastion of it.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Uh,
0: there's a huge amount of underground slavery still in uh, in the Western world and in the East and pretty much everywhere. But anyway, all fun and games. Doesn't it make you proud to be human? Cheerful, treatment? uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> We're a lovely lot. <laughs> We're yeah. a happy lot.
1: Treating each other with dignity for thousands of years.
0: Yep, Absolutely.
1: Right, are you going to do the podcast intro?
0: You haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet, no. I let it slide this week because we went right into it. But welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which we discuss topics on a theme each week. The theme is decided the week beforehand, but pretty much everything else is a surprise and completely unplanned. This week's topic is slavery. And uh, as we've gone over already, it's pretty fucking depressing.
1: But no, it won't be. Don't worry. It's going to be a good podcast.
0: Yes, it is going to be a great podcast. It's going to be funny. We're going to sensitively make light of the horrific plight of millions. (laughs) In that way that only we know how. (laughs) I've got a song in mind. Oh, have you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's depressing. I've got lots of quotes.
0: Uh, Good, I've got quite a few quotes as well. I've (laughs) gone quite saucy this week.
1: You're going saucy. I, I, I unsurprisingly, Sam. I'm a little bit rude this week as well. Uh, trust Are us.
0: You? Hey, trust us. You, I haven't actually gone rude. I've just gone ridiculous. Oh, fair <laughs>
1: enough. Fair enough. By my standards, my entry for this week is actually quite clean. Yeah, mine isn't. (laughs) 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 Anyway, right, should we flip something? I've actually got something on my desk I can flip. I'm looking at them now. Oh, go on. Can you remember, from the uh, late 80s, early 90s, a cult classic toy called Monsters in My Pocket? (laughs) I do remember Monsters
0: in My Pocket.
1: Well, I've got a selection of those in front of me on my desk.
0: As opposed to uh, what I've got today, Tom, which is a monster in my pants.
1: Oh, (laughs) <laughs> or are you pleased to see me for our american audience <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, right. so what i have picked up one and it's a little red one and it looks it looks like i beg your pardon it's, well, it's hey it, it looks like it's cerberus it's got three heads so let's just keep the euphemisms away from that uh, so it's it's cerberus in monsters in my pocket land that's worth 10 apparently. Oh, good. So do you want the front of Cerberus or the back? I will take the back of Cerberus,
0: the less dangerous end.
1: (laughs) Oh, it landed on the front so I get to choose. Oh, I feel so powerful getting to do this, Sam. I know, it's a real rush, isn't it? What's it like being on the receiving end? (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to feel this very often. No, it feels great. I think I'm going to go first. Are you happy with that? Yeah. Excellent. Good. I don't think
0: I've really got the right to argue, have I? No, I'm <laughs> no, happy no. with that. It has. Been In the flipped. spirit of the episode, don't ask me.
1: Cerberus has spoken. So I'm talking about a chap called Josiah Priest, who lived from 1788. To eighteen sixty one. Have you heard of this chap? I haven't. No. Excellent. Good. He's an American writer from the nineteenth century who wrote a lot about Native Americans, Africans, American history, and American prehistory. I have to say that some of this guy's literature really has changed my attitude to the Atlantic slave trade. It really has. It's fascinating stuff. <laughs> it's an incredible writer. Now I hate black people. <laughs> it's the, the... I used to think that they had
0: intelligence and were completely normal members of society. Now I realise that actually slavery is probably the
1: kindest thing for them. Thank you for ruining my joke. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I do this every damn
0: time, don't I? Sorry, Tom. Sorry. I'll edit that out. You put your I'll, joke in.
1: I'll, I'll go. With, I'll, I'll, I'll just carry it as I was planning to. Anyway, <laughs> so this <laughs> I'm guy. I'm sorry. He's, he's an incredible writer. The, the, the depth of analysis that he provides of the slave trade and Africans is nuanced and enlightened. And I've lived the first 33 years of my life under the misguided, ignorant belief that having black skin doesn't make someone inferior to white people. How wrong could I be? More fool you, Tom. I know. More how wrong you. could I be? And do you know why I was wrong, Sam? Because I hadn't taken the time to read the Bible with preconceived prejudices and a strong desire to justify my racism. But Josiah Priest... Oh, well, that'll do it. Yeah, he's taught me to do just that. So Josiah Priest was basically a big racist bigot. And a man of God, Tom. And (laughs) a man of God. He used the Bible to justify his racism very, very effectively. He was one of these guys (laughs) who thinks he's smart, but is in fact Mm. a complete gobshite. We've all encountered them. Hands up, guilty as charged. (laughs) As it's certainly one who suffers from the Dunning-Kruger syndrome. <laughs> it's my favourite syndrome. It, uh, it is. It comes up quite a lot in this podcast, doesn't it? The Dunning-Kruger syndrome. It does. Is it worth very quickly explaining it again in one sentence? Oh, come on, Sam. Anyone who listens to, the, to five minutes worth of our podcast immediately goes and listens to every other one because they know it's so good, <laughs> don't
0: they? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, everyone who listens to this podcast immediately knows that we are indeed a victim of the Dunning-Kruger effect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that as well. That as well. The Dunning-Kruger effect is... Is well studied and basically states that the less intelligent you are, the more intelligent you think you are.
0: Yeah, on any given topic, yeah.
1: Certainly in the fitness industry, I've met a lot of people who come across as incredibly reasonable, logical, sensible, intelligent. They're usually well spoken. Everything about them makes you think that they're worth listening to. But quite often you start listening to them. You listen to the words they are saying and you realize that they're full of shit. Yeah. And this is one of these guys, by the sounds of it, someone who who can come across as incredibly intelligent, but when you actually assess what he's coming out with, it's just complete twaddle. Anyway, this week then I've had a brief read. Well, I've actually listened to it because I found it on my favourite website, Librivox. Sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give us. A... I don't think we're going to get a shout out <laughs> in the middle of Cicero. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And lo, incidentally, good Cicero said. <laughs> "Thou
1: should listen to... There's a cracking little your... podcast. <laughs> it's a cracker. you a cracker. I'll try and get it in Plutarch. I'll t- we'll try and get a, a shout-out in the middle of Plutarch, because <laughs> he gets a shout-out in our podcast. So, yes, I've been reading... Uh, well, listening to Josiah Priest's Bible Defence of Slavery from 1843. And it's, it's a long and rambling work of bullshit that was unfortunately... <laughs> well, sorry, it was fortunately too long for me to listen to in its entirety. So I've had to familiarise myself with the content. I've, I've, I listened to the preface, the introduction, and then I chose a chapter that I liked the sound of. So I chose chapter eight, which sounded wonderfully stupid. It's actually called Moral and Civil Inferiority of the Negro, The Lewdness of the Negro Sodomites. Evidences for sexual perversions of the Negro. Um so that's the chapter that I looked at in a bit more detail.
0: (laughs) I can see why you went there, Tom. I can see why you went there. (laughs) It's juicy. It's just (laughs) I see why how your eyes were drawn. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Looks like my cup of tea. Looks wonderful. Right up my alley. (laughs) I say. (laughs) Sexual perversions, you
1: say. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I want to hear. Monocle popping out of your eye. (laughs) My little tweed jacket quivering. (laughs) This document is actually quite important historically. So, uh, yes, I'm taking the piss out of the fact that it's um, incredibly racist. But it's an important historical document because it it gives a really good insight into the thought processes of Americans who opposed the abolition of slavery in great detail. We've got a few options. We can get really annoyed by the stupidity and dangerousness of this of this document and refuse to discuss it sensibly, which I've already done to an extent, and, and I plan also to do again. And <laughs> or we can be a little bit less emotional about it, discuss it as an historical document, and then take the piss out of it. So I'm going to try and do a bit of both. I'm going to try and give it a <sighs> little bit of sort of more. Fine, know. if you must be, if you must be sensible, <laughs> I'm going to try and give it a little bit of a sensible assessment. So. Let's discuss this document to give you a snippet of how Josiah Priest legitimised slavery of blacks. It's firstly worth knowing that Priest is a very literal interpreter of the Bible, and he's also clearly devoutly Christian. And unfortunately, therein lay the first two problems with this document. As his primary source (laughs) of information regarding this topic... He is using the Bible.
0: That is a bit of a... That's a first-step fuck-up, isn't it?
1: It really is. And he is also using the Bible as Bible. So rather than (laughs) questioning the Bible as an historical source, that isn't even particularly relevant to the topic of African slavery... He's just making it's ground It's relevant to every
0: topic, Tom.
1: Uh, well, yeah. It, it will, <laughs> but I mean, that's the interesting insight. Cooking isn't it? eggs,
0: consult the Bible.
1: Yeah, but that's the putting that's your it.
0: pants on. Consult the Bible. <laughs>
1: what, what does yeah? What does Ezekiel tell me about my owning pants?
0: the lives of another? Consult <laughs> the Bible. As long as you're not selling slaves in a church, it's absolutely it's fine. That,
1: it, it is an interesting insight, isn't it? That someone will go first of all to the Bible. As a source of information about anything, least of all Jesus, and it's just obviously bad history. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Priest, let's explore the provenance of your sources, dear boy. If you want to be a good historian, get to grips with the background, the provenance of your sources. Question everything, my man, including your own prejudices. And he does neither. He goes straight to a source, decides this source is correct. Uh, and then he has no makes no effort to question his own prejudices. It
0: sounds unlike people <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say what now yeah, yeah absolutely it's it's a very very good example of actually kind of how people vote in elections you know that uh, how people uh, make a lot of their decisions question your sources people come on if if we learn anything from this podcast listeners, please question your sources of information. Interestingly, though, this document was uh, published when did I say? I think it was 1843. Darwin's Origins of the Species was published in 1859, so just before Priest actually died. And the study of things like genetics, evolution, human archaeology, early human civilizations, etc., were either in their very infancy or they were just non existent. So I actually researched human evolutionary uh, fossils, and very, very, very few of them from earlier than 1900 and the majority of them from from the, from the 1960s onwards. And I couldn't find any that were from before the time of Priest's death. So, in fairness to Priest, there is very little understanding of human evolutionary history at this point. But still...
0: But still...
1: You can try harder, Priest. I mean, the Quakers were getting it right, weren't they, in the UK at the time. they were They were leading the abolition movement. They could get their head around it. <laughs> so... The introduction, Sam, this is actually the preface to the document that's written by someone else. In presenting this following work to the American public, no apologies are offered. We live under a government which (laughs) tolerates liberty of thought and freedom of the press. And in this expression of our honest views and feelings upon a subject relating to the general welfare of the country, we are but exercising a right which belongs to every American citizen now for someone who's but not the slaves exactly <laughs> for someone who's so enthusiastic about <laughs> freedoms he's clearly quite happy to take other people's away isn't he <laughs> um... self-righteous <laughs> cunt uh, so... <laughs> yeah. and it reminded me Nicely of a quote. I didn't actually realise that this quote came from a chap called Hubert Humphrey, who was an American politician from the 60s. The right to be heard does not automatically include the right to be taken seriously, does it, Sam?
0: That is genuinely my mantra for life. (laughs) I've heard that quote before, and I love that quote. Um, My mantra for life is that, yes, you have the right to say what you think, but no one else has the responsibility to listen to you or to take
1: you seriously. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I'm quite happy for fascists to have a, a, a platform on which to speak, but, you know, rip them apart. And
0: I frequently like to remind people of this in the comments section of Facebook news articles.
1: <laughs> I, I know you do. <laughs> know you. Sam, be like Bob. <laughs>
0: what does what does Bob do? Does Bob tell you you're a fuckwit? <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you seen meme? Jump that in front meme? of a bus. <laughs> have you seen the meme? <laughs> I, I do know the yeah, one you yeah, mean. Bob sees something on the internet he doesn't like. Bob ignores it and gets on with his life. Be like Bob. Bullshit.
0: <laughs> Bob sounds like a sanctimonious prick. Bob posted a meme talking about how good Bob is on the internet.
1: Yeah, it's true, actually. Bob's a hypocritical dickhead. <laughs> kind him of a death threat. <laughs> That's what. Dox him and posts him some dog shit. Do you know what I heard? And I'll be careful about how I how I pitch this. <laughs> as, as you as you'll know, as, as and most listeners will know, recently Christchurch in New Zealand, which is where I live, had uh, a horrendous mass shooting at one of the mosques, which I drive past almost daily. In the light of that mosque attack, the people of Christchurch responded very, very positively to it, very, very supportive to the Muslim community, including the police. So the police, there were photographs of the police wearing hijabs, having flowers in their shirts, etc., whilst they were standing guard holding their guns, etc. And there was one picture of of an attractive young female police officer with a hijab and a flower on her shirt and a bloody massive gun. After that picture was published and her name was mentioned in a national newspaper, she was receiving death threats. Death threats on social media from Muslim extremists and far right white nationalists, supremacists. How fucking ridiculous. Oh, At least she's pissing off everyone. <laughs> how so fucking you doing ridiculous. It right? Didn't that just nicely sum things up? You got wankers everywhere,
0: <laughs> of all stripes.
1: Yeah, have got all colours and creeds. We can all be twats. Anyway, so let me give you another quote here. This is actually quite a long one, Sam. This is still from the introduction. The reader may confidently expect to find a work of great research and ability, one of deep interest and well worth his <laughs> candid perusal. The author has sought in the oracles of God, in authentic history, and in the analogies of nature, the key to the mystery of the past, of the Negro race, the fact of the inferiority and consequent subordination of the black race to the white being in accordance with the will of the supreme ruler of the universe, dot, dot, dot. Himself, a northern man, prejudiced in his early education against the institution, his Priest, the conclusion at which he arrives, as they are all by the most powerful train of reasoning, cannot fail to check their suicidal progress of the pseudo-philanthropy of modern abolitionism. Christ. There you go. It's cracking, isn't it? And that, I just thought that was a wonderful summary of thick person thinking they're intelligent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or someone coming across as reasonable as decent, but the message actually is just a bit moronic. So let's give you a bit of a summary of, of, of the argument that comes from... Well, actually, this is one of the major arguments from the whole document. Priest believes that Noah's three sons were born three different colours. The black one was Ham, and his offspring became the Africans, and they were cursed to be the slaves of white people. And then Priest likes to go on in great detail to explain how sexually perverted, in chapter 8 this is, how sexually perverted the descendants of Ham were, with reference to Herodotus and um, the Old Testament. So, Ham's descendants become all sorts of nasty people like the Sodomites, who, as we know, like to take it up the bum. (laughs) I think that's a technical terminology. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And priest takes great pleasure describing the behaviour of these sodomites and this is the funniest thing about this chapter chapter 8 is a priest is so disgusted disgusted by the lewdness of, of these negroes who descended according to him from Ham but he goes on and he just takes such great pleasure in describing it <laughs> he really revels in describing the lewdness. It's just wonderful.
0: And then you won't believe what they did next, and I had to look this up myself, and my God, it looks just terrible. And oh. I'd hate it if someone did this to me. Oh by enough. the way, oh. uh, I live oh. here. Oh. <laughs> and I've had a
1: good think about what it would feel like if it were done to me. And so he talked to- about...
0: Can you imagine going it in and out I know, and in and out and in, oh. and out and in and out?
1: I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I really couldn't. I had to go back the next day and have another look. It was just so disgusting. <laughs> so For rude.
0: research purposes, I had to do it three. Three or four times.
1: i, I just, just absolutely disgusted with it. So that's pretty much what it is. That's exactly what it is. So he talks about how two men from Sodom visited Lot's house and uh, basically tried to bum everything in their path. So these two men, <laughs> these two men just could what? not put their willy in enough things. They really couldn't. <laughs> um, this, incidentally, is the Lot from the Old Testament who was raped by his daughters. So nothing weird there. Just the no. Old Testament for you. And, <laughs> <laughs> Classic I Christianity, Tom. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Abrahamic religion. Great, isn't it? It's good stuff. Anyway, you'll never guess what, Sam. You'll never guess what. Those Sodomites, they even bombed animals. You would not believe it. I saw them doing it with my very eyes. Couldn't take my eyes off them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, those cast out became the African nations, apparently. Here we get reference to Herodotus. So, Herodotus, you never guess what he wrote. The Egyptian ladies having sex with an animal in the streets of Egypt. You would never guess it. Herodotus spotted it with his very own eyes. This woman <laughs> being shagged by a donkey in the streets of Egypt, she said. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. The naughty-, <laughs> the naughty Egyptians even influenced some of the Jews with their naughtiness. Quote, the sexual members of the black man and the brute called an ass." There was but little difference as to elongation and magnitude. <laughs> I think we might be getting to the to the crux of the matter here with Priest. I think he might have a small willy, Sam. I think he might have a small willy and a big chip on his shoulder. Anyway, um, so here we go. Herodotus again. Apparently... In Egypt, people carried around phallic sculptures, a full cubit in length, Sam. You wouldn't believe it. A full cubit, about 20 inches. You wouldn't believe it. And there was a machine. (laughs) He said it in his very self. Herodotus said it himself. A machine of Bacchus Moving, gyrating, with an erect willy, back and forth, and I—I saw it with my very own eyes. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I had to look at it for a good twenty-four hours. I went back the next day. Oh, it was just like when I went to the Chippendales. Disgusting!
0: It was the Chippendales. Just oh, d- disgusting. I-, I had to bring one home with me, just so that people would believe how bad it was. I had to bring it home, and now just to just to just to keep it out of the way of the children, I keep it in a box under my bed. <laughs> Third draw down, Tom, third drawdown, the most disgusting thing I've ever laid you eyes on in my believe life. You some
1: of the settings.
0: Every oh. time I see it, I'm physically sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Why anything vibrate so Safety. vigorously.
0: Safety, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. Oh, you would not believe what, it ha- what happens when you put it somewhere. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> here's another one. In all the southern regions, it is thus. Promiscuous intercourse to the sexes everywhere prevails among the blacks. Um, it's just a a whole chapter obsessed with sex and I'll be honest with you Sam I was writing down my notes and I got about a third of the way through chapter 8 I'd listened to it during the week and I started reading through it online I got a third of the way through it and realised that I would had enough content to quite comfortably fill my half hour of this podcast Um, (laughs) (laughs) this is only a third of this chapter anyway this is possibly my favourite quote of the lot this is where Priest references a paper written a few years before by an American priest anyway quote the congregation consisted of some 800 coloured persons. Many of them seemed to be intelligent in their appearance. Their decorum in the church and attention to the sermon was worthy of all limitation. They sung with great devotion and melody. Their piety, the minister said, was generally uniform and consistent, but one exception. And what was that exception, ye think? It was promiscuous intercourse between the sexes all the time. <laughs> they could not keep themselves to themselves, always having sex. Good In the church? <laughs> I just couldn't keep my eyes off it, Sam.
0: In mass, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, it was like the collection plate; everyone had a hand in. <laughs>
1: Eight hundred of them, all at the same time. I could not believe it. What was this guy on? I, uh, I
0: mean, uh, but this... people at the time were weird. People at the time were really weird about sex, but this guy seems a bit, oh, very prudish. A bit strange. I know. He's a bit strange. Like people just had a weird way. Do you know? Uh, you know the story of Ke- you know Kellogg's cereal. Yes, I do. I don't know how we're
1: getting from Sodom and Gomorrah well, to <laughs>
0: But it's just people's weird attitude to sex. So one of the reasons that Mr. Kellogg set up his cereal factory and his big campaign in life was anti-masturbation. And he was, he was a huge anti-masturbation campaigner and believed that by having breakfast cereals, it would take people's minds off. And people
1: in Victorian times just had a really weird attitude to sex. Just have a wank. Just get it out of your system, then have your breakfast. It really doesn't matter. What is wrong with yeah. people? You don't need cornflakes, have a wank and a pop
0: tart. It's fine,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Halliwell, she was a pop tart wasn't she Sam
0: <laughs> Oh!
1: <A-oh. laughs> <laughs> you're right it's just it's very 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 prudish and victorian very very bizarre anyway this this book 15 chapters in this book over 400 pages Christ. i've gone through a third of a chapter and listen to the amount of ridiculousness i've got out of it anyway so and, and i won't go <laughs> i won't do any more because we've obviously got only got an hour of podcast but as i said at the start i mean we should, we should do an extended cut <laughs> <laughs> as, as i said at the start priest was an absolute gobshite bigger longer sexier <laughs> I just think I think to be honest with you, 400 pages. I think probably 390 of them. are pre scan. You would not believe. You would not believe the things I
0: saw. It seems to basically be a Victorian Fifty Shades of Grey, doesn't it? Appallingly written sex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Priest also by probably someone wrote... who doesn't
0: really seem to understand the, the basic workings of it.
1: He probably had lots of little drawings as well. I bet I, I, I had to draw it. I had to. Do, I just. I drew it in great detail just so that I could show other people how disgusting it was. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's very much in the genre of pseudo science, pseudo history, and it, many of his books were having a good go at Native Americans as well. So he's got some very unpleasant racist stuff um, about Native Americans. And, you know, historically total nonsense as well. So there you have it. An, an, an insight into the mind of a racist American from the 19th century who is uh, opposed to abolitionism. There you go. Abolitionism, is Fantastic. that a word? abolition, Abolitioni, abolitionu, abolitionus, abolitionum. abolition one, <laughs> yeah. yeah, one of the ways is... Yeah, one of the ways is right. My one-year-old likes my Latin English dictionary. <laughs> he's always reading it. He's he's one. Wow. Fucking outstanding genetics, Sam. That's all it is. Outstanding genetics.
0: What's his first word going to be, Tom?
1: <laughs> what's it? I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of the scene from Monty Python's Life of Brian. Uh, <laughs> Romans come uh, <laughs> You know the scene, don't you?
0: You haven't used the infinitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I couldn't I couldn't quote that because I've never learnt Latin and it's quite a kind of it's quite a thick wall of latin grammar that comes
1: at you yeah yeah i i i I learned it apparently to an a-level standard allegedly in in the space of a year at university and then promptly forgot all of it yeah wow it's actually good fun it's actually really interesting to learn because it's just very logical so it's it's almost like learning maths or something it's very interesting so there you have it sam fascinating fascinating book i yeah very interesting to read even though I only read a little bit. It. <laughs> Wonderful.
0: well I've gone saucy as well today, but I decided that I would delve very briefly into some of the more ridiculous claims of the anti-abolitionists in Britain. Excellent. In the run-up to the abolition of slavery, because we tend to think, oh, Britain, Britain abolished slavery and the slave trade, and wasn't that good of us? And wasn't that a very noble thing of, of Britain to do? Kind of one of the first countries in, in Europe to abolish the slave trade. But it was nowhere near that simple, of course. There was a lot of campaigning on both on all sides and there was a lot of misinformation and i hate the phrase fake news but there was an awful lot of propaganda and bullshit being sprouted around to be honest by both sides although i think the side who was saying slavery is bad probably had slightly uh, had the slight yeah. edge in truth <laughs>
1: you, can give a bit, you can give them a bit more slack can't you uh, yeah. give a little bit more slack yeah They're on the right side of history, aren't they, really?
0: They're on the right side of history, yeah. But there was an awful lot of debate around at the time over this. Obviously very tricky, Tom. A very tricky moral conundrum over whether it's right to fucking own someone. (laughs)
1: Um... (laughs) A fellow human being, exactly. Yes. And
0: for every uh, petition and piece of evidence about the horrors of the slave trade that was put forward there was an equal and opposite piece of evidence from pro-slavery campaigners, largely under the organisation of a group known as the London Society of West India Planters and Merchants. So at least their name is, uh, <laughs> you know, their name says what they're about. It's not like, you know, Freedom Inc. or whatever bullshit organisation is trying to get abortion cancelled in any given country oh, at any yeah, time. Okay, yeah. But anyway, the the evidence that they put forward is quite often batshit crazy or just totally false. Uh, there was even a pro slavery musical tom <laughs> that was put out at the time. Excellent. I'm going to mention this briefly before we get on to the kind of the more serious written evidence, serious funny but but serious. And one of the musicals was called The Benevolent Planters. And it featured two lovers captured as slaves who were then reunited by their friendly neighbourhood plantation owners and realised life was much, much better in the West Indies than at home. Yeah,
1: on the plantation.
0: Yeah. And I've actually got one of the songs here for you, Tom, so I'm going to sing you a little ditty. It's now time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy, (laughs) take this shovel. Oh, what fun. (laughs) Just ignore the men with guns. Find a field, cut some canes, release the hounds if you escape. Look at me, I'm nearly dead In a rat-infested shed I was once like you are now And I know that it's not easy to be calm When you're shackled in a hovel (laughs) But take your time, you've got a lot For you'll still be here tomorrow And every day until you die Age 30 from communicable disease
1: That was wonderful if,
0: if, there we go, son.
1: I know this is only audio, but had it been, had there been a video, you'd have seen me putting my arms imaginarily around some '90s pop stars and and swaying back and forth like a celebrity <laughs> single. Yeah. I had Elton John on my left and I had George Michael on my right, <laughs> stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> Beautiful, yes. Who was behind you? <laughs> that was Freddie. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was here with my lighter above my head Yeah, oh yeah Setting sprinklers off
1: Yeah, that was beautiful
0: That was a lovely song um, about the joys of being shipped from Africa to the West Indies against your will
1: (laughs) That was wonderful, I think we need to put the lyrics of that on uh, social media
0: (laughs) I think so Sorry, I thought today it'd be fun, inverted commas, to look at some of the arguments in favour of keeping slavery going in the British Empire
1: I like the way our thought prices were so similar this week
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah how can we make this shit fun uh, <laughs> <laughs> ridicule uh, <laughs> ridicule but, but obviously a lot of this stuff is still kind of quite prescient today and the, and the, the tactics that were used so yeah i'm going to claim that there's a warning from the past here and that's my excuse <laughs> there most definitely is a warning from the past yeah <laughs> so yeah so yeah yes so obviously there were the arguments that were clearly going to be put forward about uh the economic impact and uh, the fact that if you banned the slave trade the french would just pick it up and and you'd still have the slave trade but now the french would be making money off it and you can't have that tom ironically one of the big campaigners for the economic argument something you wouldn't have thought of it wasn't just plantation owners and ship owners tom no 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 one of the biggest campaigners against the abolition of slavery was uh manufacturers of shackles (laughs) oh good grief (laughs) so i'm going to start with my favorite argument tom for keeping slavery and that is that slavery is just wonderful it's a beautiful holiday for these lucky, 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 lucky people. Lucky
1: bastards. <laughs> lucky, lucky bastards. Lucky bas- oh, shackled upside down, I What I would give. <laughs> oh. To be oh. shackled upside down. In my down. day, in my day, oh, sh- you have to buy your own shackles. Spat in the face, were you, by the guard? Oh, you must be right teacher's pet, mustn't you? That's
0: refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I wouldn't give for a lovely bit of dribble on my face on a hot day. <laughs> so there's a, a great quote to the Privy Council of the House of Commons, which was investigating the slave trade at the time and, and kind of deciding what to do about it, from a man called Robert Norris. Now, Robert Norris was a trader, a British trader, who did a lot of work in Africa and lived in Liverpool, which was a big slaving centre. And Robert Norris is quite the salesman, Tom. I get the feeling this is the kind of guy who would quite happily sell you a used car <laughs> with all sorts of problems. <laughs> I can't do a Scouse accent, but I might try. Here's a quote he gave to the Parliament about the state that West Indian slaves were kept in. Come on, let's hear a Scouse accent. Hey, hey hey, right, hey,
1: hey, all right, hey, all right,
0: hey. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> their apartments are fitted up as much. No, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do <laughs> so first off, their apartments inverted commas. Uh, they're not hovels, Tom. They are apartments. They're luxury penthouse suites. <laughs> <laughs> their apartments are fitted up as much for their advantage as circumstances will admit. The right ankle of one, indeed, yes, is connected with the left ankle of another by a small iron fetter, just a little one, and if they're turbulent, by another on their wrists. It's just, it's just little yeah, shackle, yeah, Tom. Just a little, just a little, a little shackle. It's
1: just a nice bit of jewellery.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Bangle. to be honest, it's, it's a little more than a festival wristband, really, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's...
1: Very, very in vogue
0: on the galleys. Absolutely, yeah. They have several meals a day some of their own country provisions with the best sources of african cookery just the best the best african chefs prepare their meals tom and by and, and by way of variety another meal of pulses etc according to european tastes so they get one meal a day of african food and one of potatoes and <laughs> beans <laughs> <laughs> for variety <laughs> tom it's a multinational buffet <laughs> just like you get on cruise ships
1: yeah. you got Fish fingers, fish fingers, peas and taters.
0: Yep. After breakfast, they have water to wash themselves with, whilst their apartments are perfumed with frankincense and lime juice.
1: Frankincense and lime juice?
0: That's right, Tom. There's room service. They have daily cleaning. You can leave your towel in the bath if you want a fresh one. In
1: fairness, Sam, this is sounding better than some Airbnbs I've been
0: to. <laughs> it certainly is, isn't it? It's sounding better than halls of residence did at university. (laughs) God, yeah, some of them were awful. Before dinner, they're amused after the manner of their own countries. The song and dance are promoted. The men play and sing whilst the women and girls make fanciful ornaments with beads with which they are plentifully supplied. So as well as being slightly racially insensitive, (laughs) it sounds great, doesn't it? It's an international buffet, room cleaning service, plenty of sunshine, and just that little pair of shackles. You basically describe pontins haven't you i have basically described butlins yeah yeah that's all it is (laughs) sign me up tom yeah sign me up sounds
1: freaking amazing
0: it's got classical music from your country you know the best hits of cliff richard and a elvis impersonator it's got it all it's got it (laughs) all lady
1: competitions it's (laughs) indeed
0: (laughs) yep Especially when you consider what those lucky, lucky, lucky bastards in the West Indies, Tom, would have been faced with if they'd been allowed to stay at home in Africa rather than being given this great once-in-a-lifetime holiday. Opportunity. In fact, it it really is a -a once-in-a-lifetime holiday because it lasts your entire lifetime, (laughs) short as that's going to be. So here's another quote, Tom. Here's old Robbie Norris again. By the way, Robbie Norris is about the most scouse name I can think of. Um, (laughs) Telling him... Hey, hey, Robbie Norris. Hey, my name's Robbie. You... Robbie Norris. So here's Robbie Norris again telling you that odd grinding noise from the transmission of the car he's trying to flog you is completely normal. <laughs> here's an account of what life was like back in Dahomey, which is a, a kingdom which is part of modern-day Benin or Benin, sorry. The king of Dahomey is absolute master of the life, liberty and property of every person in his kingdom, and he plays them with the most savage and wanton cruelty, Tom. Piles of heads are placed as ornaments before his palace on festival days, and the floors leading to his rooms are strewn with their bodies. Which sounds absolutely plausible, doesn't it? Every time there's a festival, the king of this country slaughters millions of his own inhabitants and just strews their bodies around his palace (laughs) as ornaments. Because that fucking happens, doesn't it? Because that economically makes sense. (laughs) I, I also love the hypocrisy of the line, The king of Dahomey is absolute master of the life, liberty and property of every person in his kingdom. Unlike you, Robbie Norris. (laughs) Robbie, hey, Robbie. And all the people you own. So there we go, Tom. No arguing with that. Far better that these lucky, 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 lucky bastards come and live with their white friends in the West Indies and live in luxury in exchange for just a little lighthouse work or farming. On an island.
1: (laughs) Beaches everywhere.
0: Absolutely. Much better than being hacked up for the amusement of the king back home. Yeah, much better. (laughs) But it wasn't just old Robbie Norris, Tom, who was up to this tired old everyone in Africa's getting slaughtered gig. Because here's another quote from a pro-slavery book called The History of the British West Indies that was written in 1819. I spoke to a girl named Clara who told me that in Africa, after the death of a great man named Anamoa, 20 others were killed at his funeral. I asked her which country she liked best, Jamaica or Guinea. She replied that Jamaica was the better country. For people weren't killed there, as in Guinea at the funeral of their masters. So there we go,
1: Tom. It's just better being a slave. It's like, it's like what would you rather, be punched in the face or kicked in the balls? Isn't it? It's yes. Like, <laughs> could we just
0: not do neither? We could do neither, Tom, but where's the economic benefit in that? If we weren't doing either, the French would be, Tom. Remember that. If we weren't kicking them in the balls, the French would be.
1: But, but Yeah, I know. But interestingly, that's almost got some credence as an argument i mean i it's not it's not an excuse but i mean that's the that's the argument for not moving forward with environmental policy isn't it yeah it's because if you do it puts you at massive economic disadvantage and it's just game theory nobody else is going to do it everyone has to sort of edge forward together rather than actually just fucking doing it i just love the idea that it's absolutely it's shit there but it's (laughs) not quite as shit here
0: I, oh. All we're doing, Tom, in exchange for that little bit of less shitness, that act of, the act of charity of giving them a little bit of shitness, is just asking them to repay us by working for their entire lives in a field whilst living in a hut.
1: Yeah, with that's, no freedom. And that's it. With no, yeah, yeah with all. fuck's sake. Oh. That's all. Oh
0: dear. So there was another argument put forward, Tom, which I particularly like, which is that, actually, black Africans are far superior people and that puny Europeans just couldn't hack life in the West Indies. And so yeah. that's why, that's why, Tom, you have to have the Africans come and do the work for you. Yeah, this is one of priests as well. This is one of his arguments. that <laughs> Actually, they're, they're just better than us. They're better than us. Uh, so they should probably be slaves. Yeah. It's a, log- it's a logical progression, Tom. A logical progression. I've got another quote from a petition to Parliament by a guy called C Spooner. I couldn't find out what C stood for in the in 1789. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Cunt Spooner.
1: No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you would not believe what they did with this spoon. Or as
0: we call them today, Tom, a gynecologist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One who performs smear tests. Uh, yes, <laughs>
0: C Spooner's modern equivalent, Gareth Inecologist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, that would be a great name, wouldn't it, for a for a, a private gynecology practice. <laughs> Cunt Spooners. <laughs> what, oh, what, God. what would mm. Cunt Spooner look like? <laughs> would he have like a big moustache? Oh Oh <laughs> Yeah.
0: Right. So anyway, uh, Mr Spooner said. The value of the lands depends on the cultivation of them by means of Negro labourers and that it continues to be the practice of all the nations of Europe in the West Indies to employ Negroes only founded on experience that Europeans will soon sink under the inclemency of the climate so there we go Tom it's a job that whites just can't do because
1: they haven't got the constitution for it not strong enough Tom as opposed to those black people yes, <laughs> with their sexual perversions and their intellectual inferiority our friends, our friends Tom
0: the intellectually inferior black people who you must therefore keep as indentured servants. <laughs> and now we've got a quote, Tom, that I'm, I'm really excited to share with you because you've got the letters to the newspapers, Tom, at the same time, from concerned individuals... Oh, this is going <laughs> to be ...angry of hull. Full balls-to-the-wall, Daily Mail comment section side. This is going to be brilliant. I came across this uh, this letter in a newspaper... It's from 1789 in the Gentleman's Magazine, which was a newspaper that was—it wasn't pro abolition, but it wasn't anti-abolition either. So it carried letters from both. And this has got it all, Tom. This has got the—they should be so lucky. They love it. Lucky, lucky bastards. Not intelligent enough to do anything on their own. And uh, this is—this has got it all, Tom. This is absolutely fantastically awful. And it finishes with just possibly the best line—the best line imaginable but I will save that for the end. It's quite a long quote, but I make no apologies for it because it's brilliant. I've lost the name, but it was something like N. Planter from the West Indies. It was a a kind of a a pseudonym, a non-name. The scheme for the abolition of the slave trade is, in every view of it, absurd and impolitic. It's founded on a mistaken notion of humanity, or rather just on ignorance, folly, and enthusiasm. The Negroes of Africa in their native country are absolutely useless in the great scale of human society, They're incapable of refinement, arts or sciences. The only way to promote their civilization and to make them serviceable in their own generation and happy in themselves, it's for their own good, Tom, is to introduce them to a state of activity and industry. Man was not designed for a life of idleness, Tom. An idle man is a wretched creature. A negro removed to the West Indies is placed in a climate much more agreeable than the burning plains of Africa. His work in plantations isn't harder or more oppressive than that of any common labourer in England, such as miners or blacksmiths or pivors or scavengers, coal heavers or anyone else, whose situation is viewed by those very humane and compassionate people who are advocates for their African brethren without the least concern. The vulgar, these people, are influenced by names and titles. So instead of slaves, let the Negroes be called assistant planters. There you go. And we shall not then hear such violent outcries against the slave trade by pious divines, tender-hearted poetesses and short-sighted politicians. So there we go, Tom. Don't call them slaves, just call them assistant planters. You give them a name badge. That's all yeah, they want. Yeah, give them a name badge. I was going to say, we've both worked in retail before, and as anyone who's worked in retail as a store assistant knows... It's not a title that makes a bad situation better. (laughs) 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 Having the word assistant tacked onto it doesn't make you better paid or any more respected. Or indeed paid at all.
1: What the fuck is he going on about?
0: So there we go, Tom. It's Slavery's the kindest thing for them because they wouldn't be doing anything except sitting around in the baking desert sun in Africa, would they? So they might as well have a lovely life in the West Indies where they're going to be treated much better than poor people at home and if you're really het up about it, we'll change the name, we'll make them... Apprentice field hands. How does that sound?
1: Or, or you could just leave them alone. Or you
0: could just leave them in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> you just you could just not have loaded them against their will onto ships.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear.
0: But there we go. And that, that actually, that's interesting because that brings up another argument, which is another one that was really popular at the time. There's loads of cartoons that were published about this. And because they were cartoons, you can kind of tell they were geared towards poorer members of society who maybe weren't quite as literate. And this argument was that all of these pious politicians, look at them, look at them caring about these black Africans in the West Indies. What are they doing for you, the working poor of Britain? Eh? Why don't they care about you working in the mines and doing all of this? And this was a classic argument, which is still used loads today, completely ignoring the fact that it's the same fucking industrialists who own plantations and factories in the UK. Yeah. It's the same people dicking on you. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, there we go. Those are just some of the arguments, batshit crazy arguments put forward by people who are in favour of the slave trade. Fortunately, obviously, the slave trade was abolished. Although I made a joke there about apprentice field hands. And actually, that was a loophole that's, <laughs> that plantation owners employed for several years afterwards was to free the slaves and instead hire them as unpaid apprentices. Right. Which uh, was a loophole that lasted for about another four or five years after the abolition of the slave trade, until it was uh, until it was finally closed.
1: Oh dearie me! So
0: there we go, Tom. Some of the cuntish
1: arguments that were put forward for keeping slavery. I think it makes you, th- or what it made me think looking into this is the things that were, and actually, actually have been accepted practice throughout human history and throughout the world. So slavery is is actually the norm in human history, isn't it? for there to be vast amounts of slavery in society. It is. The horrendous Atlantic slave trade. It's something in the region of 15 million people in the space of a couple of hundred years was shipped to Yeah, to something an like that, yeah. Incredible scale. But it was actually built on an established slave trade, wasn't it? And we discussed the fact that the Ottomans had slave trade in, in North America as well as the Europeans. Everyone was doing this horrible thing. It makes me just think, what are we doing now that we don't realise... Is actually really quite unpleasant, and in two hundred years' time, people are going to be looking at us going, "You fuckwits, podcasting, podcasting." <laughs> I certainly think, and looking after our our planet is going to be one of those things where future generations. I think
0: so. Yes, I think looking after a planet, fossil fuel cars. Yeah,
1: definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if animal welfare as well. I'm not a vegan. I'm quite happy to eat meat, but I think I think so. I think animal welfare is one. I, I do think a lot of. Meat produce is unethically produced.
0: I'm very inclined to agree. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the uh, big one in a few in a few years time.
1: But that is why we study history, isn't it, Sam?
0: It is. You learn from the past by studying its mistakes, and you learn uh, yep. more in attitude than action a lot of the time, actually.
1: Yep. One of my favourite quotes from when I was at university was something along the lines of, "Why do we study history?" because we learn through our own experiences and the study of history expands our own experiences with those of others.
0: There we go. Yeah, you that go. That is probably the most intellectual
1: thing that's ever been said in this podcast. I'll follow it up with a belch. Hold on. <laughs> is that better? Thank God for that. I was starting to sweat. <laughs> the podcast yin and yang is now back in balance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Tom. Thank you for that. Always a pleasure. Never uh, d- Did you research things for next week? Because I didn't, I'm afraid. How about we do Conquistadors? Okay, yeah, let's do Conquistadors. I love Conquistadors, Sam. I'm all over this. I'm all over Conquistadors. Sweet. Okay, well, I'll I'll let you carry on practising
0: your Spanish accent whilst I say goodbye to everyone.
1: Okay, after the goodbye, can you sing us out with your song you wrote? Yeah, shall I sing it again? Yeah, yeah, as a sort of outro.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you have, please, please, please do leave us a review on uh, iTunes podcast or your podcasting app or platform of choice. It really makes a huge difference. And the only thing that makes more of a difference is to tell your friends about us. So please do share us on your social media platforms. Tell your friends all that lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. And we will see you again the next week for a delving into Conquistadores. I'm going to leave you today with a, a little song.
1: Okay, I'll drop some sick beats.
0: Now it's time to make a change. Just relax and take it easy. Take this shovel. Oh, what fun. Just ignore the men with guns. Find a field. Cut some canes. Release the hounds if you escape. Look at me. I'm nearly dead. Locked in a rat-infested shed. I was once like you are now And I know Where's my backing vocal song? It's not easy to words. be calm Just hum mm-hmm. To be shackled no, in no, a take. hovel oh, Take your tight, You've got a lot Good luck. For You will still be here tomorrow oh. And every day Until oh, you day. die age 30 From communicable
1: disease Communicable disease <laughs> Insert 1990s Microsoft PowerPoint applause. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: StarWhite.